It's wonderful to be with you on behalf of Pastor Sally and I. I want to thank Pastor Mark and Nina, Pastor Joe and Jason, all of the team. We've had a fantastic day so far. We've been out at uh, Redcliffe. We've been out at Moray Field. Now we are here in the house at Warner. And I've heard that the crowd at Warner are the best crowd in all of Emerge. And the first two rows agree with that. Everybody else is just sitting there. I'll give you another chance. I've heard that the crowd at Warner is the best crowd in all of Emerge Church. Come on. Wonderful. Uh, Rachel, before I forget, uh, as you were leading, my goodness, you have a beautiful voice. Beautiful voice. But I tell you, your voice catches the attention of heaven. There's something about it. As soon as you start to worship God, and when you started to use that phrase, that He is worthy, He is worthy, come on, let's give Him the best praise. I felt the Holy Spirit wanting to encourage you. As you go through battles, as you go through challenges, God wants you just to keep on opening up your voice. You have already discovered that. But God wants to encourage you every time when you go to that place of worship in your own world, I'm telling you, you your voice opens up heaven. It attracts the attention of heaven. But here's what I felt the Holy Spirit add to that. It's not just for you. It's not just for you. It's for those that are close to you, but it's also part of the ministry life of Emerge Church. That what you do with your voice, with that anointing that's behind that voice, with that spirit of humility, but also that spirit of aggression, that spirit that says, God, I'm believing for you. I'm worshiping you. I don't care what's going on around about me. You are opening up the way. You are opening up the atmosphere for others to be able to just forget everything that's going on around about and just to worship Jesus because you've discovered what we all need to discover as you worship Him. Everything shifts. Everything shifts. So God just wanted to encourage you with that word tonight. You're doing an awesome job and your voice carries authority in Jesus' name. Hey, why don't we just thank Rachel for the incredible job that, that she does. I'm feeling intimidated. I, I heard in Queensland, and it's true, because of your humidity and the warmth and the sun and all that, that the grass grows so fast, plants grow fast everywhere. It all just grows. But I'm telling you, I have never been on a platform uh, where I've been intimidated by so many awesome beards on one platform. <laughs> I'm looking at these guys, guitarists here. I mean, I have no words. <laughs> I have, it's awesome. It's awesome. And then Pastor Joe gets up, and I was impressed yesterday with your beard, but now I'm thinking, it's okay. That's a beard. That's a beard. And I'm wondering if I ever move up to Queensland, whether there's any hope for me. I don't think so. I don't think so. Why don't you stand to your feet tonight? Father, we just thank you for your presence in this place. And God, we stand to our feet because we're about to open the Word of God. And Lord, we thank you for your Word. We thank you, God, that your Word carries your power. Your Word carries your promises that, God, it's through your Word faith will rise. So, God, thank you tonight in every man, every woman, in every young person. God, you know where we are. You know our needs. You know the cry of our heart. And I thank you that you have a Word of faith for each and every one of us tonight. Lord, to draw us out of dark places, to draw us into wide open spaces, to take us from poverty into riches, to take us from, Lord, sorrow into joy. God, that we might be the people that you've called us to be. 
God, not just happy, clappy in church, but God, to go out into the world and celebrate and share the goodness of an almighty God. So, Father, thank you for your word. I pray today, God, our hearts be open to receive in Jesus' name. Everybody said, Amen. You can be seated tonight. Awesome. Pastor Mark, I better share this with you as well, I felt. Last time I was here, I felt God reminded me of this. He gave me a picture of an orchard with trees. And uh, God shared the thing that out of many trees comes great fruitfulness. And that it was a picture for the church that what you have done is you've seen people, young people, young men, young women, others in the church, and you've seen a call of God on their lives. And you've been positioned. God has granted you, graced you with trees that become an orchard. But the key is, it's not the number of trees that you have, it's the fruitfulness of each tree. And God encouraged you, and I remember He reminded me of this picture, that as you have blessed, as you have trained, as you have both, Nina, been a mother and a father to those in the house that God has given to you, it's been like fertilizer in their lives. And as He reminded me of that, and Sally and I have been talking while we've been here. Church, I hope you realize the incredible quality of the team that God has raised up within Emerge Church. Because I want to tell you, we go to a lot of places and when we walk into a place of health, we know it. And this is a place of health. And because what you have sowed, Nina and Mark, into the team and into the church as a whole, it's been like great fertilizer in their lives. And now fruitfulness starts to abound. And we see it and we sense it. And I believe God smiles. But here's the picture. God shared me another picture as we were worshiping. And it was of the windows of heaven opening up. And I felt like God wanted to encourage you tonight, saying, just as you've been faithful, sowing into the lives of others, and ministry seeds have been sown, and you're now starting to see the fruit of that, God wants to encourage you that as you continue to follow what He instructs you as a church, you will not lack the provision that you need. That as you take steps of faith, as you commit to blessing the community around about you, as you continue to sow into the needs that are around about you, and as you continue to expand as God gives you the instruction to expand, you will know no lack. That at the right time, in the right way, provision will come. You've been faithful with people. You've been faithful with what God has entrusted to you. And God is going to open up the windows of heaven over the life of the church. And here's the thing. You are the church. You are the church. There's no magical bank account in heaven with Emerge on it. You are the church. If God is going to bless Emerge Church, it means you, each and every one of you, who called church, uh, Emerge Church home, God will bless you. And through the blessing on your lives, on the life of the church, it will flow back into the kingdom and you'll be able to do exactly what God has placed on your leadership's heart to do. I don't know about you, but I think that's a good word for Pastor Mark and for Nina for the life of the church. It's wonderful. We better go to the word. Psalm 23. Say it with me. Psalm 23. If you have your Bibles, open it up. As you're going there, I want to ask you a question. Uh, Have you ever had that sense that you're being followed? Like most times when you feel like you're being followed, it's a spooky sort of thing. Like it's, it's, a, it's an uncomfortable thing. I was in a supermarket a little while ago and uh, I, know, I don't know if this has happened to you, but everywhere you go, I had that sense of being followed. And I'd turn around, I'd be looking at something and there's this fellow there and he was looking at the same thing. And it was sort of like it went on for a little while and I'm thinking, okay. And then I went around and I went to another aisle 
And he, he came behind me and, and he went to, and then I'm looking at something, you know, in the, I don't know, what it was, cereal or whatever, and he's there. And it happened about three times in the supermarket. And I think, I think, I think this fellow's following me. It's a bit weird. I went out through the cashier thing, out to the car park. Guess who's following me out to the car? Same fella. And I'm thinking, this is weird. I'm not comfortable with this at all. And I'm about to think, if he comes up behind me, I'm ready. Like, I am ready. And it wasn't with prayer. I wasn't going to share the gospel with him. Like, I'm thinking, I'm going, to, I'm, I'm going to take him out. I'm freaked out. I'm, this is weird. I'm being followed. Thank God I went to my car. He walked straight past, went to his car, and we were gone. But to be that sense of being followed, it's usually like the, the boogeyman thing when you're little. It's weird. It's creepy. But I want to encourage you tonight. I believe that each and every one of us is being followed. But we're not being followed by the boogeyman. And we're not being followed by negative things that have happened in our past. You know, sometimes being followed isn't a feeling of somebody, it's a feeling of something. And there are people that can live their lives feeling like they're being followed by past disappointment. They're being followed by past mistakes. They're being followed by past shame. They're being followed by past diagnosis. And they think, wherever we go, whatever I do, this thing is, is following but I've got good news here tonight. Every one of us tonight, if we would call on the Lord, if we would say, God, I want to live under your blessing, we are being followed, but it's not by the boogeyman. It's not by our past. We are being followed by the goodness and the love and the grace of God. Can you say amen? Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for His name's sake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows surely this is the one you want to put on your mirror this is the one you want to write on your post-it notes and stick it on your car surely goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever can I tell you when, when you know that you're being followed by the goodness of God it changes the way we live our lives. It changes everything. You know, some people wake up in the morning and they say, good Lord, it's morning. But I'm telling you, when you know you're being followed by the goodness of God, it's not good Lord, it's morning. It's morning, Lord. It's going to be a good day. Why? Not because of who we are, not because necessarily the circumstances, but simply because we know the goodness of God is all around about it. It means we don't walk in fear. We don't walk in hesitation. We don't walk wondering what's going to happen. We don't walk wondering whether we're going to have enough finance to get through a challenge that are around. We don't wonder about whether relationship's going to get better or whether it's going to get worse. We don't wonder about whether this sickness is going to take us out. We don't wonder about whether our marriage is going to make it or not. We don't wonder... We don't worry. We don't have any concern at all about the future because we know whatever the future holds, God is already there. And He's promised that He will surround us with our goodness. It means that you can face, no matter what's going up, no matter how dark it gets, His light will be there. It means that you can know, no matter how painful, 
Circumstances can become, his comfort will be there. It means that no matter what enemy might rise up against you, no matter what people might do to you, he will defend you. He will fight for you. He will take up your cause. It means that no matter how overwhelming life circumstances might become, he will be there to guide, comfort, and provide. You are being followed by the goodness of God. You are being surrounded by the love of God. What does it mean? It means, number one, that he is there to guide. He's there to guide. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me. He leads me beside quiet waters. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. I thank God that he's not just the God of clever people. <laughs> Have you met those people who know everything that's going to happen? Like I remember, I remember in, high, in, in school growing up, some kids knew, you know, I'm going to be a fireman. I'm going to be a policeman. I'm going to be a doctor. I'm going to be a nurse. And they did. <laughs> and I've met people nowadays that, you know, they've got a plan and they're just working to the plan. They've got it all figured out. That They know what the direction they're going to go and they set their goals and they go there. And I say, God bless them. That's awesome. <laughs> but for 90% of the rest of us, I thank God that he promises that he will guide. I thank God that when we don't know where to go, when we don't know what to do, God has promised that he will lead us and that he will guide us. You see, the reality is when David wrote this, he can look back over his life and know that there were times when he had absolutely no idea what God was doing. He had no, we, we celebrate David as one of the greatest leaders biblically. We celebrate him as the one, you know, who took out Goliath, or the one who took over the kingdom, all of those. But there were times when David didn't have a clue what God was doing. If you think about it, he was one day out there minding the sheep, just doing what he was asked to do. He didn't know what his destiny was. He didn't know anything. He's minding the sheep one moment, and then the next moment he's being anointed by the prophet, and he's being told, you're going to be the king. He had no idea, but God was leading him even when he's ignorant. Think about the fact that he's then taking provisions to his brothers. He's just going out there. They're out there in the battle, but he's minding sheep. But he goes out on a simple task, just take some cheese and crackers and provisions for your brothers. He doesn't know what God's doing. But then all of a sudden, he's being led into the battle. He's facing Goliath. And then as a result of taking down Goliath, destiny starts to unfold. Again and again in David's life, he's brought into the king's service. He becomes a great warrior but then Paul becomes jealous and now he's being hunted. There were so many times where he must have wondered, God, what's going on? So many times later on, he's got his own son, Absalom, who rises up and betrays him. And again, he must be thinking, God, what's going on? But step by step, day by day, God was always in control. And when he needed to know, God always let him know what the next step was. I think it's good news that we don't actually have to figure out our lives. We just have to follow the instruction of God. We just have to lean into the fact that God says, I will lead you and I will guide you. But of course, that raises the question tonight. Well, how do we know if God is guiding us? How do we know that this is something that God is leading us into? And I want to suggest tonight quickly three or four ways. Number one is through the Word of God. If you want to know God's will, you need to know God's word. Psalm 119, verse 105, your word is a lamp to my feet and a guide to my path. I don't know about you, but I'm glad we are not 
driven. We are not led by the opinion of man. We are not led by social media. We are not led by popular politics. We are not led by woke culture. We are led as the people of God by the Word of God. Because I want to tell you, without the Word of God, the wisdom of man is like stumbling around in the dark. And if you want to know what God wants, simply feast on His Word. How do we know when God is leading us? We lean into the Holy Spirit. John 16, verse 13, when He, the Spirit of truth, comes, He will guide you into all truth. And one of the ways that God leads us by His Holy Spirit is by the peace that the Holy Spirit brings. Philippians 4, verse 6 and 7, don't be anxious about anything. But in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. There is so much power in that one scripture. We become so anxious. We become so confused. We wonder, God, what do I do here? What do I do there? Will I do this? Will I do that? Can I tell you? Sometimes we just need to stop and simply sense where is the peace of God on this? And if there is no peace of God, can I just say, don't go there. Don't go there. It might seem good to you. It might seem good to others around about. But if you sense no peace from the Holy Ghost, don't go there. Can I say, young people, she might look gorgeous. He might seem like the most handsome guy. But if you sense no peace, don't go there. You might as a business person look at a deal and think this is awesome. This is fantastic. This is going to move the finance. This is going to move the business. This staff appointment is going to be wonderful. And it might look good. It might feel good. It might sound good. But if you have no peace, don't go there. God has promised that he will lead us. And that sense of peace is an incredible indicator. But he's also the divine doorkeeper. God has a wonderful way of opening doors and closing doors. Proverbs 3, 5 and 6, Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Lean not on your own understanding, but in all your ways submit to Him. Listen, and He will make your paths straight. Do you know God is more committed to guiding us? He's more committed to leading us than we are committed to leaning into and to stopping and saying, God, is this what you want for my life? I remember many, many years ago, our senior pastor, Pastor Phil, shared a, an example and a story of uh, a little boy in a maze over in England. And uh, he shared the thing. It was an incredible maze with a hedge and you know, beautifully kept. But the thing with the maze was that they sent you in there with a little flag, a little red flag. And they had a tower at the, big, at, the, uh, at the front of the maze and a little man sitting up in the tower who could look over every part of the maze and could see where people were. And they gave you a little flag because if while you were walking through that maze, you could not find the way out, all you had to do was raise that little red flag. And the guy who's in the tower, who looks from a higher perspective, was able to shout out directions. And where once you were lost and in complete confusion, not knowing which way to go, you raise a little flag and then a little voice would come, hey, just turn left, just turn right. And if you followed the instructions of the man in the tower, it was a simple, direct path to get out of the maze. And I will never forget that example of the wisdom of listening and leaning into the guidance of the Holy Spirit in our lives. We don't have to be clever. We don't have to figure it all out. We just have to follow what God is speaking through His Word, through His Spirit, and through open doors and closed doors. You're being followed by the goodness of God who wants to guide you. You're being followed by the goodness of God who wants to bring comfort 
in every situation. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I'll fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your comfort and your staff, they do comfort me. You know, lots of people think of, you know, the shepherd's staff. I don't know if you know the, the shepherd's crook, that it would just be a long staff and then have a hook on the end of it. But some people think, you know, the shepherd carries that staff, so whenever the sheep sort of gets out of line, he can whack it. <laughs> so you're a dumb sheep, whack it and direct it back. But actually the opposite is true. What a shepherd would do would just tap. And what a shepherd would do if the sheep actually got caught in a place where it was in distress, it could just hook it back up. And he would actually pick that sheep up and comfort and bring it back where it needed to go. And that's more accurate picture of the way the Holy Spirit and how God leads you and I, that when we're in a dark place, all he wants to do is show himself to be present and to bring comfort and strength and hope for a new day. Psalm 57 is another psalm that David has written. I love it. Listen, it says this, verse 7 onwards. My heart, O God, is steadfast. My heart is steadfast. I will sing and make music. Awake, my soul. Awake, harp and lyre. I will awaken the dawn. I will praise you, Lord, among the nations. I will sing of you among the peoples. For great is your love, reaching to the heavens. Your faithfulness reaches to the skies. You know, the incredible thing about that psalm that David wrote is that he wasn't lying back on a grassy plain, enjoying the sun and the breeze as he was looking at the sheep. He was actually in the, what we refer to as the cave of Adullam. He wrote that when he was in a place of hiding. He wrote that psalm when he was being hunted by Saul, who was hunting him like an animal, ready to take him out. He could have been full of fear. He could have been full of intimidation. He could have been full of all of the anxiety that could be dumped upon him. But instead of that, he's saying, God, I thank you because I'm going to awaken the dawn. He's saying, instead of fear, I can sense your love. I can sense your faithfulness. And I know he's declaring that I will stand against Again with God's people and I will praise your name. He's not full of fear. He's embracing the comfort and the presence and the reality of God who said, I will be with you. And the truth is that when we are going through our hardest day, when we are in our darkest night, when we are in our deepest cave, God is right there with us. What I've discovered is the greater the darkness, the closer is his presence if we will open ourselves up to it. My mum has passed away now and is with the Lord. But about seven years before she passed on, she was diagnosed with lymphoma. And she had to go through a course of chemotherapy. And as a family, we watched her go through that process. And she enjoyed seven good years. But every time she went through chemotherapy, it would just ravage her body. And I can remember, you know, I, I, as a dutiful son one day, she going had just had her treatment, three days of chemo. And, and I knew that she was at home in bed trying to recover. And uh, so as a dutiful son, I thought, I've got to go home and, and encourage my mum. So I, I got in the car, went home after a busy day. I thought, I've got to go home. She'll be all discouraged. And I've got to go and just let her, you know, pass on my love, pray for her. And I walked into her bedroom and saw her in the bed there. And she was weak and she was pale and she lost so much weight. She couldn't sit up, had pillows propped up. But she had books all over her bed. And uh, I remember sitting on the edge of the bed and saying, Mum, how are you? How, how are you feeling, Mum? How, how are you going? And she looked at me and said, Oh, Davy. <laughs> that was her name for me. Oh, Davy. She said, 
David's been, it's been so wonderful. David, you wouldn't believe it. I haven't been able to get out of bed. I've just been lying here in bed. I've been too weak to do anything. But she said, all I've been doing all day is just reading. I've had my Bible out. She had commentaries all through the Bible. She said, all I've been able to do is read the Word. And she said, Davy, it's just been like Jesus has been sitting on the edge of the bed. And I've been talking to Jesus and he's been talking back to me. And I'm thinking, Mom, stop it. You're breaking my heart. I've come to encourage you and you're making me cry because you're just talking. And the presence of God was so real to her. Can I tell you, you're being followed in your darkest hour, in your weakest moment. God is right there with you. You're being followed by the goodness of God to comfort, but also to provide. Can I invite the musicians to come up? You're being followed by a God who wants to, as I've said before, with that prophetic picture, open up the windows of heaven and pour out provision. Whatever that means in your world right now, pour out provision into your lap. Verse 5 says, You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil and my cup overflows. Now, please note, it doesn't say that you take my enemies out. It doesn't say that you prevent my enemies from coming in. It says even in the presence of my enemies, you are preparing a table for me. Here's the thing, a shepherd's job is to actually, yes, care, yes, to provide, but it's also to take us to a place of green pastures and fresh water. When I think of the cave of Adullam for David, it was a place that started off as a hiding place. He was hiding at first from King Saul, but the place where he went to hide because of God's goodness The same place where he went to hide and to find shelter was the same place where he also had the provision of water. It was also the place where he had a provision of vegetation around about where he could find what he needed just to survive. But here's the thing, it wasn't just about survival. The cave of Adullam actually also became a place of provision where the Bible says that over 400 men gathered to him. And that meant that he had a band of men that he could then go out and do battle with. He had a, man, a, 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 a band of men who were going to stand with him and step into the provision of God that God had already prepared for his destiny. Can I tell you, sometimes at our weakest moment, when we feel so depleted, when we look at our lives and think, God, I haven't got anything. I don't know whether I'm going to survive. In those moments, God is already preparing abundance abundance for you because that's his nature some of you know the story of sally and i and our family how uh, eight years ago nine years ago while i was preaching a message in church the title of the message was if you build god's house he'll build yours while i was preaching that message for the fifth time that weekend our house and everything we owned was burnt to the ground in a bushfire In a moment of time, we became the people that you see on the news where they say that they lost everything. (laughs) And they stand there saying, all we have are the clothes on our back. That was us. We lost everything. I want to tell you, it rocked our world. You talk about a challenge emotionally. You talk about a challenge physically. Talk about a challenge spiritually. We were in a place of desolation, confusion, and fear. But I want to tell you, we discovered through that experience 
that no matter what circumstance we face, we are always being followed by the goodness of God, that we are always being surrounded by the goodness of God. We woke up the next morning, and I can remember praying, saying, God, just like Job, naked we came into this place, and naked we will go out of this place, but blessed be the name of the Lord. The Lord gives and the Lord takes away. And we prayed. There was, a, there was a fear that came upon me, thinking, God, we've lost everything. I didn't know whether the house was insured. I started to think, God, we're going to have to start like, we're in survival mode now. We're in survival mode. We've got like, if we could, re, we, we couldn't even afford to rebuild what we had. We've just got to gather every possibility and just do what we can. But we are now officially poor. But we prayed a prayer. And we said, God, please don't let us ever be defined by this fire. Don't ever let us lose our faith that the God who has blessed us so far now has drawn a line and said, that's it. I'll bless you up to this point, but over that point, you're on your own. We said, God, please don't let us shrink back from a life of faith. Don't let us shrink back from expecting the blessing of God that you've always poured out on our lives. And you know what? Over the process of months, and we also didn't have a clue what to do. And we thought, well, people would ask us, what are you going to do? Are you going to rebuild? Are you going to move on? And we would simply say, I don't know. I haven't got a clue. And we would pray, God, we don't want to make the wrong mistake. We don't know what to do. Would you guide us? Would you guide us? And I want to tell you, as time went on, week by week, month by month, God sovereignly invaded our lives. And He came and He spoke prophetically. He came and He spoke through the Word. And we knew exactly what we felt we had the peace of God to do. And as we moved forward in the plan that God had revealed, I'm telling you, blessing and favor started to be poured out over our lives. And if I could tell you, if I had hours to tell you, I could say, I could just sum it up by just simply saying, we are more blessed now than we have ever been in our lives. We have seen the comfort we have seen the direction we have seen the provision of God and if you could come and visit our world right now you would stand back in awe and say and we would simply say God has been good we've learned the lesson God is always following us with goodness and love and I tell you it's not because we're special it's because he is awesome you're being followed you're being followed by the goodness of God you're being followed by the love of God. And if you're in a place tonight, if you're in a place where you would say, God, I feel like I'm being followed by the things of the past. I feel like I'm being followed by shame. I'm being followed by past mistakes, followed by something that you can't do anything about. Can I tell you, tonight is a night where you can shake that off. Tonight is a night where by faith in God, you're able to say, no, 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 no. I am going to expect the goodness of God. I'm going to expect His counsel. If you're in a place of confusion tonight, God wants to lead you. God wants to direct you. You may come into this place, think about issues, and there's just nothing but anxiety and being unsure. Well, I'm telling you tonight, you can leave with the peace of God. You may not know what it is you need to do, but you can have a peace in your heart knowing that God is going to guide you through that. If you're in a place of lack tonight, I want to tell you, God wants to bless you. We heard Pastor Mark say it. What's the joy of every father at Christmas? It's to bless his kids. Well, what's the joy of your heavenly father? It's to bless you. Not to watch you amass what you can amass, to create what you can create, but for God to be able to say, hey, just stand back. And let me open up the window of heaven and pour out my provision in your life tonight. Would you stand to your feet all over this place?